of fear, different type of roots of fear, right? We did talk a little bit about John 15 in our last series, and we talked about Jesus saying, I am the vine and you are the branches, right? What an awesome image that we are an extension of who Jesus is. I believe fear works in the same way. Fear may have a root, and you and I see fruit of fear in our life, like anxiety and depression, but there are certain roots of fear. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's a root sometimes to fear. So today we're going to be talking about different roots of fear. I wrote this down. I'm not the best writer, but I wrote this down, and, and, and I wrote it this way. Fear is like a virus that tries to make, tries to make its way in your heart, in your mind, and in your soul. God has not given us a spirit of fear, yet we still battle with fear today. In this series, we're going to expose the root of fear and how it manifests in our life and see what the Bible has to say about this. Just to give you a quick heads up, um, we are not, I'm not doing a case study on fear today. Uh, these last few months of studying and preparing for this sermon is a bit more of an accumulative approach to fear. In other words, these aren't absolutes or specifics. Uh, we're going to look at the umbrella of fear. Um, and one of the fears I've been doing a lot of research on, three different types of fears that have risen up, not only in America, but in the church. There's been, there's been a rise of fear. And I want to just talk about this for a moment because, you know, I got to be honest. Sometimes in my walk with Christ, I'm like, God, why is there even room for fear in the first place? Have you ever pondered that question? Why is there even room for fear in my relationship with God? Right. I remember growing up, they told me fear is an acronym that stands for false evidence appearing real. Right. Being afraid of something that's that's not even necessarily there. And and, and what's true is I, I, I ponder that in our walk with God. If you're exploring spirituality, wherever you find yourself today, you got to ask that question. Why is there even room for fear in the first place? Well, here's a, a theological answer to that question. The only reason there is room for fear is because there is room for faith. In other words, God allows room for fear because God allows room for faith. That space where fear tends to operate, I want to let you know, God wants to raise up faith within you to say this isn't a moment to be afraid. This is a moment to have faith. If you've ever prayed for something for God to do in a moment or through a process, the prayer was with a little bit of faith. God, I haven't seen it, but faith is not seeing things in the physical. Faith is seeing things in the spiritual. How many of you guys got faith eyes sometimes? Come on, you look at a dead situation and you're like, it may look like this physically, but spiritually, I see things a little differently. The only reason there's space for fear is because there's space for faith. And so many times, you and I in our walk with Christ, we let fear creep in. I mean, we open the door to fear. We let it sit down at the table. We have some coffee with fear anymore, every morning. And I want to talk about this because can be, this can be so destructive in your walk with Christ. Here's one of the, the more famous fears that have risen up in the last few years, and it's a fear called social phobia. You have a fear of, of, of large gatherings. My wife and I just experienced this a few days ago. We had to go somewhere, and we were excited. Like, honestly, we loved everyone we were going to be with. Um, but something about being in the pandemic, I have a different relationship with my couch after the pandemic. <laughs> it's a bit more intimate than it should be, you know? 
It's a bit more spiritual than it should be. And legit, we're excited to get ready. We're about to go to this function. But I don't know where something rises up within us and said, do you want to just stay home tonight? <laughs> you know, like, I'm a little intimidated by this gathering. You know what I mean? And all of us deal with that. Come on, be honest. Some of you guys probably did, dealt with that today, coming to church. Like, you know, you looked at your mask. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and it's a real thing. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. That in a world where social phobia is happening, we serve a God that says where two or three are gathered, I am there. Isn't that interesting that we can be afraid of something that God has put in our life to bless us? Afraid of gatherings that God has instituted for us to be blessed. It's in a room of a gathering of 120 people in the book of Acts that we see the downpouring and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you this. The Holy Spirit believes in gatherings. Somebody shout amen. amen. The Holy Spirit believes in gatherings. I know we've got online church. I know we've got the metaverse coming, but the gospel is too grounded for the metaverse. The gospel is too earthy for the metaverse. I know there's grace for those avenues to present the gospel. We've seen thousands of people raise their hand with an emoji, but nothing replaces the gathering of the saints, the ecclesia. If you believe in this gathering because there's sharpening, there's conviction, there's exhortation. Come on, anybody love the gathering of the saints? I'm grateful for the gathering. But fear tries to make something good and turn it evil. Make something awesome and, and, and allow us to, to be afraid of it. Jesus says, if two or three are there in my name, I'm there. Yet, it's in small gatherings that fear begins to rise up. Social phobias. Here's another fear. It's the fear of death. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but so many people are afraid of death inside and outside of the church. Yet, we see scripture that says, death, where is your sting? The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead now lives in me. Come on, anybody believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? Listen, with Jesus, you don't have to be afraid of death, baby. Listen, when you die, it's not final. Death is a doorway. Death is an entering to an eternity with Jesus. Anybody afraid to die in here? I want to let you know that fear of death, it can rot. And corrode your soul. Yet the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. We don't have to be afraid of gatherings. We don't have to be afraid of death. Here's another big fear before we jump into some Bible. It's a fear of sickness. Isn't it wild how there's a fear of sickness rising up and Jesus says, I'm Jehovah Rapha, your healer. Will you believe in fear more than you do in God? Will you believe in sickness more than you do your healer? And, and, I, I, and I, you know, let's be honest in here. There's room for faith because there's room for fear. And there's room for fear because there's room for faith. But let's look at some Bible. Let's get a little bit encouraged in here. Come on. It says in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, so do not fear I am with you. Who believes that God is with them in church, outside of church, on a Sunday, on a Monday? He is with you. Listen, I understand you love your leaders and your pastors and your group leaders, but there is a space in your spiritual walk that only God can fill. There is a hole in your heart that only Jesus can fill. Not a person, not a spouse, not a position, not a raise, not an engagement. Whatever it is you think can fill you, only God can fill you. And he says, I am with you always. Don't be dismayed. Don't fear. I am your God. Anybody grateful for the presence of God that goes before me? 
Here's another verse, Psalms 56 and 3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. What a great verse. We should wake up every morning and say, God, I might be afraid, but I put my trust in you. I put my trust. This may be an opportunity to be afraid, but I'm going to use this as an opportunity to be filled with faith. Here's another verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and guard your mind. You don't got to be anxious because God is with you, church. Galatians 5.1. Why does Jesus want to set me free? It is for freedom that Christ set us free, not for bondage. God didn't set you free for you one day to go back to those fears. God didn't take you out of that for one day to go back to the place God took you. No, he set you free for freedom's sake. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Let's talk about one root of fear, root of fear. I want to talk about one. Again, this isn't specific or 100% accurate, this is accumulative over studies. But here's one potential root of fear in my life and in your life. And that's this, number one, unsteady seasons. Unsteady seasons. You and I have gone through seasons of life like that where everything's a bit off balance. You're, you're, you're a bit overworked or you're a bit underworked. Schedule's too full or too empty. Unsteady seasons. Has anybody been there? Can you holler at your boy? Unsteady. It, it, it's, it's, these seasons make room for fear. There's an, there's an imbalance. Ecclesiastes says this, verse, uh, chapter 4 and verse 6. It's better to have one hand with tranquility than two hands with toil and chasing after the wind. It's better to have one hand and be in peace than to be doing so much and be in chaos. I put it this way. It's my next point. Not everything doable is sustainable. There are some things you've taken on that you can do, but that's the reason why you're afraid and unsteady. Because you did something that God didn't call you to do. Not everything doable is sustainable. Is anybody getting set free today? Because listen, you got to learn how to say yes, but spiritually you also have to learn how to say no. This is not going to enter my life. This is not going to enter my purpose. This is not going to enter my calendar. This is not going to enter my leadership. This is not going to enter my mind. I'm going to be mindful that not everything I do is sustainable. And everything in the Lord, it's in its right time. Amen. I remember my wife and I, when we first got married. By the way, we just made three years married. Hello. We about to celebrate tomorrow. Anyways. Back to preaching, right? What was I, what was I preaching about? Gosh, why do you sit in the front? You make it so hard to preach. Just kidding. Early in our, early in our marriage, we got, we got an offer to help serve our church uh, new birth in a different capacity and help a campus out. And we took it to prayer. And it sounds like a good, I mean, it sounds good, but not everything that is good is God. And we prayed about it, and it, we didn't get any green lights, and our pastor's like, okay, yeah, all right, cool. And then this year, we had asked to help with Point Sienna, and we're like, we prayed. I'm like, yo, let's do it. Like, we're ready to do it. I think if we had said yes too soon, we would have missed the goodness of God and the fulfillment in this season. 
Just because you can do it doesn't mean you have to. And the truth is that unsustainable seasons aren't only caused by what you add, but also you may be feeling unsustainable in this season because of what's missing. In other words, I think we are in unsteady seasons when we're doing too much or we're doing too little. Can somebody get, I believe someone's getting set free today. We sometimes enter unstable seasons, not because we're only doing too much and we're in risk of burnout, but we're doing too little and we're in risk of just insanity. What am I trying to say? Okay, let's do this, right? As everyone leaves church today, we're going to give you keys to a brand new car, everyone. And as you leave, you're going to get the keys to the car and outside is waiting red Ferraris for everybody. Now, here's the trick. I'm just kidding, by the way, but, um, <laughs> hey, yo, one day, hello, one day, come on, somebody. Um, if you walk outside, you know, there's a different feeling than holding the keys than it is driving the car. When I say a season may be unstable because you're taking too much or you're doing too less, it, it, it's, it's like this. It's like you're trying to drive too, too many cars, that's doing too much, or you haven't even got in the car at all. So it's like you're holding on to these keys. Like, I got the keys. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm so excited for this car. And it's like, bro, drive the car. It's like, no, but I got the keys. I got the keys. You know, you know what the keys are? The keys is your potential. It's your purpose. It's your calling. And God's ready for you to jump in the car. God's ready to promote you. God's ready to elevate you. But sometimes we sit in fear of doing what God called us to do. I've, I've lived this in my own life. The fear of doing what God called me to do. In other words, I disagreed with who God called me to be. You're a leader. I'm a follower. You don't know me, God. I don't know you. I made you. You're an apostle. Oh, no, I'm a backslider. You don't know me, God. No, 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 no. I don't care what you label yourself. God has a calling over your life. And it's about what we're doing too much of or what we need to potentially let go of. But it's also what we're not doing that leads to an unstable season. You know how much anxiety you can get from holding on to car keys, but you never got in the car. You know, when you start driving, the nerves start coming down, right? You start putting the music on. You drop the windows a little bit. And now those first-time driving nerves, they're out of the way. It's, it's not even there. What am I trying to say? I think there's people in church that you may be unsteady because you haven't activated the call of God in your life. That you may be unsteady because you have the keys to the Ferrari and you haven't gone in yet and started driving. Here's one word I want to talk about to help us with fear and especially with the root of an unsustainable season. One word that's going to help us and it's this A word. It's awareness. It's awareness. It's awareness. Come on. Is anybody aware of the goodness of God in their lives today? Come on. Can we, can we make some noise if you're aware that God has been good to you? Come on. God has been faithful. Is anybody aware of the goodness of God? Because you could be unaware of it, but is anybody aware of the goodness of God? You got to be aware of it. Someone's got to get out of our own world and see the goodness and the beauty of God and what he's doing in our lives. Because God can be doing a move, but if you're unaware of it, you'll miss it. How do we lead through these unsteady seasons? We need Awareness. In other words, I put it this way. Battle unsteady seasons with awareness. You battle an unsteady season 
Not only through collaboration with people of God, but also awareness. Awareness of two things, and we'll keep moving. Number one, awareness of pace. Are you moving too fast or are you moving too slow? And this may not be for you right now because you're not in a steady season. You're in a steady season. But if maybe in the future you're in an unsteady season, think about awareness. Am I moving too fast or am I going too slow? I've experienced both on the highway. You know what I'm saying? You ever, like, end up on the fast lane, but you're, you're trying to be a good Christian? You know what I'm saying? And there's, like, you know, there's so many pickups over here. And I have a small little Nissan Versa. So a pickup truck just pulls up behind me. And that's very intimidating, right? There is a, there is a pressure to moving too slow. Did you know that? And I want to echo those words in here. Listen, there's some students in here that you ought to be teachers in the Lord right now. There's some sheep in here. You ought to be shepherds right now in the Lord. Are you aware of your pace? Are you in the same place God found you when he saved you? Are you still dealing with those same things? Are you still bad? Because here's the thing. What God wants to do, he wants to take us from glory to glory to glory to glory. Anybody believe that? But we've got to be aware of our pace. You ever seen a jogger caught in a red light? He's just in pace right there. Notice how fast you're going or how slow you're going. Pace is everything. Because the truth is that God actually may be speeding you up. God in this season might actually try to speed you up a little bit. You're going too slow. It's time to pick up the pace. It's time to pick up the pace. You know, you know what that means when God says move a little bit faster? In other words, he's doing this. He's increasing your capacity. So when I started, when we, when we started this church, I started uh, thinking to myself, like, I'm not going to, you know, I don't see what my leader sees in me. Uh, my leader, my dad, our pastor asked for me to lead uh, youth in worship. And I was just like, what? And I was, I, I didn't know what I was doing. And, and, I, and I shied away. I, you know, my first response to ministry was no. You know, like, John, can you, can you lead this? I see this in you. I, I know you see your capacity, but I, as your leader, I, I, th- I see God increasing your capacity. You've never served in this way before, but you got to do in your relationship with God. You got to let, you got to give God room to lead you. Your growth in the Lord cannot be attached to your vision. God has placed people around you with greater vision than you to see exactly where God is taking you, but you've got to be aware of the pace. Are you unsteady? Is it because you're moving too fast or you're going too slow? Are you unsteady? Is it because you're doing too much or you're not doing enough? I'm not here to give you the instructions. The Holy Spirit is your counselor, your comforter, and your and your ever-present help. Today is your sermon today. If you find yourself in an unsteady season, I think we need to be aware of pace. But here's something else we need to be aware of. We need to be aware of grace. Awareness of grace now here's the truth i i am excited to be a dad in the next few years but it is so terrifying and all my parents in the room said amen, amen. I, and this one it got worse somebody put me this one it got worse someone's like john you could read all the books you could hear all the seminars you can hear all the podcasts nothing is going to prepare you to be a dad nothing You're never going to be ready. It's like, ouch. It's fear. I'm afraid of it. 
But just because I'm afraid of it doesn't mean that I don't have to step into it. Just because I'm afraid of it, this is what God told me. Listen, if you're afraid to step into something, know that God is going to grace you when you step in. So when I step into that role, I'm going to go back to what my Christianity is all about. When I step into a new role, I go back to what this relationship with God is all about. It's all about you, God. It's all about you. Give me the grace to be the dad that you're calling me to be. Give me the grace. I need grace for this season Because I don't know how to lead in this moment. God, you've given me a platform. You've given me an opportunity. You've given me a position. You've given me purpose. And I don't feel qualified. But you are gracing me for this position. Is anybody graced to do what God has called them to do? I'm telling you, raise my mic up. I got to go crazy on this one time. Because I deal with this every week. I'm writing sermons and I'm... I know that I'm a mess. I know that I'm human. I know that with my words, nothing can happen. But when I prepare, I say, Holy Spirit, you have graced me for this. You graced me for this. You told me to do it, and you will back me up. You will back me up. This is not my calling. This is your calling. This isn't my plan. This is your plan. This isn't my purpose. This is your purpose. And if you're calling me to do something, you're going to back me up to do it. You're going to grace me to do it. You're going to grace me to do it. You're going to grace me to do it. Come on, some of you guys aren't ready for what God has. You understand, he is gracing you to be an intercessor. He is gracing you to be a worshiper. He is gracing you to be a member of the house that is connected to the vision. Is anybody grateful today for the grace of God? Pick my mic up. Your grace to do it. If you're single, God is gracing you to handle temptation. If you're single, God is gracing you to chase after him like never before. If you're married, you're a terrible husband without God. If you work in the the workforce, in the field, whatever your career looks like, without God, without his grace, you're terrible. I'm terrible. And isn't it awesome that God doesn't just call you to do something, but he graces you to do something so that he can get the glory. Paul says, I boast about my weakness. 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 So when you see all the goodness that God is doing, so when you see all the miracles, you understand that in my weakness, he is made strong. Even though I look this way, I know I'm not enough. I know I'm not enough. He has to show up. He has to show up every single time. I am only a man I need God to grace me to do this that's why I got to know what has God graced you to do some of y'all trying to start businesses you ain't got no grace to start a business if you start out of the grace of God you have to sustain it if you start something if you start a pace outside of the grace of God you've got to sustain it now anybody saying amen right there You get in that relationship without the grace and the favor and the leadership of God, now you got to sustain that family. Oh, but if it's God, then he's going to sustain it. And I've got to be aware of the grace that is over my life. We talked about the body of Christ, right, a few weeks ago. You're graced to be that member of the body. You are graced to do it. 
God is gracing you. And doesn't that eliminate fear? When you understand you're graced, the perspective has to change from I can't do this to God's equipping me to do this. Amen. I could preach that all day. Here's a second root of fear. And it's your words. If somebody talked to your children the way you talk to yourself, you'd have a problem with that. How are you talking to yourself? What do your words sound like? Because this may be the root of fear. Brian Tracy says this. I love stats like this because this is where psychology and theology marry each other, like my wife and I. Brian Tracy, yeah, it's a weird joke. 95% of your emotions are determined by the way you talk to yourself. Today is going to set some people free. If you start your day saying, I am nothing, you are going to be nothing that day. You, you want to know why I pray for the Lakers? Because we suck. I pray for the Lakers because the Lakers need intercession right now. We need to, like, anoint the whole team or something. That's why I pray for them, right? And a buddy of mine was like, man, we look trash this year. I'm like, well, thanks. We're going to be trash now because you spoke it. Some of you guys look at your week, you're like, man, it's going to be a bad week. Guess what? It's going to be a bad week. <laughs> He's just not that into me. Guess what? He's not into you. <laughs> oh, I'm, 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 you label yourself. I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be just like my dad. What? The Proverbs 18:21 says, your tongue has the power of life and death. So why would you speak death if you know that death came out of what you said? In other words, if you speak death and death happens, you can speak life and life will happen. Come on, we just sang today, when I open up my mouth. Can I give you 15 seconds, New Birth Church, to start declaring things in the atmosphere right now? I'm going to give you 10, 15 seconds to say, I am more than enough. I am a conqueror. I will be blessed. My family will be taken care of. God will provide for me. He's did it then. He's going to do it now, and he'll do it tomorrow. My children will serve the Lord. My family is turning back around. I am saved in the name of Jesus. I am a man of God. I am a woman of God. I'm called to do this. I am called to this church. God, you planted me here. And I'm going to speak life because out of the tongue comes life. This church will rise. This church will elevate. This church will save the city. This church will reach the lost. This church will save prostitutes. This church will save the lost. In the name of Jesus, I have power in my mouth. What is on your mouth, church? What are you saying? Did you know that when you speak, you are forming things around you? That when you speak, you are forming things all around you. God said, I created the earth with just my voice. I created the world with just my mouth. And when I made you, I gave you that same mouth. Because when you use your tongue, you have power, new birth, what is on your tongue? Is it negativity or is it positivity? Is it curses or is it blessing? Hey, come on church, open your mouth.
The tongue has power. Speak. Speak over your day. Wake up. Today's going to be a good day. Even though it's a Monday. I don't care it's a Monday. God is in, God is in my life. God is in this house. And today's going to be a great day. If I'm alive, God's not finished with me. If my heart is beating, I know God's not done with me. I should have been dead and gone. I should have died years ago. I should have died in that accident. I, some of you guys' testimonies, I shouldn't have even been born. There was an umbilical cord wrapped around my neck. But because there was a word of God over my life, something had to change. Your tongue has power. And I honestly believe that some of us have fear because all we do is talk about what to be afraid of. All we do is talk negativity. All we do is speak with, with a pessimistic mentality. Pessimism is not a spiritual gift. But man, what if we woke up every day and say, man, I am chosen by God. If God be before me, who stand against me? Philippians puts it this way. Brothers and sisters, whatever is noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent things and praiseworthy things, think about these things. Come on, very next verse. Think about such things and the God of peace will be with you. Have a list of awesome, beautiful. So, I, so when I think about beautiful, I think about my wife, you know. I just think, oh, my wife, just beautiful. When it's excellent, come on. I think of Stephen Curry's shot. That is an excellent shot. I mean, it's just so beautiful. Like you fill in the blank. But we spend our life thinking about disorganized things. Can we go back to the first verse? This is sometimes how we look at life. Whatever is noble, we look at whatever is petty. Whatever is right, instead of thinking about it, we think about everything that's wrong. Whatever is pure, instead of thinking about pure things, we think about dirty things. Whatever is lovely, we think about whatever is disgusting, whatever is admirable. Listen, friends, it's so easy to look at everything that's wrong. But it takes people of God to say, I believe that God can do anything. And I'm going to think, very next verse, I'm going to think about these things because the God of peace will be with me. I've got to remind myself of the goodness of God. Amen, church. Here's another root of fear. Now, the first root, we talked about unsteady seasons. And we talked about words. Here's another root of fear. It's two things. Again, this isn't specific. It's accumulative. Number one, isolation and information. This may be the root of fear in your life. It, it may be isolation, you're alone, or too much information, you can't handle it. Let me give you this weird statistic. It's, it's pretty tragic. We are the most advanced, connected, informed, and loneliest society in human history. In other words, all the information isn't making us better. In other words, you weren't designed to carry the weight of the world in your phone, in your back pocket. Only God is the creator that can handle the weight of the world. You've seen Bruce Almighty. He tries, to, he tries to configure all the prayers into a desktop. And he's just like, yes, 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 yes. Like that's overwhelming even for us to try to fathom the weight of the world. But you weren't created to fathom the weight of the world. God was created to hold the weight of the world. That's why I think this generation, the reason why they're so fearless and they believe they can change the world, I believe they will change the world, is because they are seeing everything that has happened. Think about it. When you grew up, you didn't know what was going on 
in all these different places every second of your life. And sometimes we need to be aware about what information we're letting into our brains. I, I heard a pastor say, I stopped watching the news. I started reading the news. Because when I watch it, I have no say on what comes into my mind and what comes into my heart, especially in the beginning of the day. Too much information. It's also isolation that leads us to these circles of fear or these feelings of fear. A root of fear could be isolation. In other words, if the devil wants to attack a family member of the house of God, he's not going to come at you when we're all together. He's going to come at you when you're all alone. We see this in scripture that God makes man, right? Imagine God made Adam. He's got a 12-pack. He's like six foot three. Come on. If God made the first man, he had, to, he had to have muscles on him. You know what I mean? God just finished chiseling, chiseling up Adam's abs, and he looks at Adam, and he says, it's not good for man to be alone. It's in Genesis chapter 2, verses 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Was Adam alone? Because God was there. No, Adam was, in, Adam was alone in giving God glory in the capacity that Adam could. So even God in the book of Genesis early on says, wait, no, you can't be alone. Somebody's getting set free right now. God looked at Adam in perfection before the fall, before everything. He looks at him all chiseled up and he says, you can't be alone. You've never even sinned, you never failed, but you can't be alone. You can't be alone. Some of us think it's so spiritual to be alone. It is. It is, but you're not supposed to walk through life alone. You need to learn how to pray on your own, but do not walk through life alone. Because the first issue in the gospel is not sin. The first issue in the gospel is solitude. Anybody receiving anything right now? The first problem in the Bible wasn't sin. In other words, I don't think Adam and Eve would have fallen if they were together in the temptation of the serpent. We literally see Eve by herself and the serpent comes. Imagine if Adam was there. Imagine the flip side. Adam's alone. We shouldn't be alone. If God said that it's not good for man to be alone, why do we isolate ourselves? And some of us are really good at going three months. Like, you guys, you guys seen that Simpsons meme where he just backs up into the bushes? Some of us are so good. You're like, you feel like that's your spiritual gift of like just isolation. Like, I'm so good at just backing up. God can't heal what you never reveal. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Some of us are so good at backing up. You go three months, no one knows you, you wasn't even at church. Because here's the thing. My next point is this. This is how you fight isolation. You need to get into a group. If you go missing from church and nobody notices, there's a problem with that. You haven't got people in your circle to connect with. We're one big group, but you got to find your people in this room. You got to find your people. You got to find your people. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to find your people. You got to find your people. Look at your other neighbor and say, hey, you are my people. You are my people. I need you to join my hope group. Can you turn to the people behind you and say, can you join my hope group? I need you. I need you. We used to sing this song, I need you to survive. Remember that song? I need you. You need me. We're all a part of God's body. It's his will. Come on. I need you to survive. Stop isolating yourself. That's not the image of the church. Next point is this. Isolation needs to be fought with action. Romans 12.5, since we're all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. I'm going to skip down a little bit. Would you guys follow me? 
We talked about isolation and information being one of the roots. Here's the last root, and I'm going to pray you out, and you guys can go eat Olive Garden. Where are my Olive Garden people at? Breadsticks, come on. How many of you guys would never step foot in an Olive Garden again? Like, why did you even mention that, Pastor? That's a sin. Disgrace of an Italian restaurant. I like it. So my parents have been to Italy. They're like, food over there tastes nothing like food over here. You know what I'm saying? It's just built different. Let me give you this last point, and we're out of here. Thank you, Ben, for hanging out with me. I love you guys. Last one is this. One of the roots of, of fear is spiritual warfare. I want to set somebody free today. Your biggest enemy is not your boss. His name is Satan. Your biggest enemy is not a person. Your biggest enemy is Lucifer, the fallen angel. And I want to let you know, the devil don't even know your name. Please stop giving the devil credit. Somewhere in Greek mythology, the early church adopted the image that the enemy is opposite of God. That is not true. The enemy is not all-powerful. God is all-powerful. The enemy is not everywhere at once. He can't be in my house and your house at the same time. The enemy is not even all-knowing. There's a verse in the Bible where the devil says, hey, Peter, I know, and these disciples, but who are you? Can I encourage someone? The devil don't know your name. Stop giving him credit. The devil tempted me. No, he didn't. He's somewhere in Afghanistan making nukes or something. <laughs> devil don't know your name. Stop giving him credit. You, his tab right now is so, look at all the devil's done. No, honey, that's just you. So sometimes we give the devil credit, but sometimes we need to be aware of who the real enemy is. The enemy is not that person in church that called out your sin. The enemy is not your leader. The enemy is not people. The enemy is the devil, and we battle not against flesh and blood. We fight spiritual principalities and demonic forces in another realm. Can I tell you, a very root of fear may be spiritual warfare. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, 11, here's the good news. But put on the full armor of God. Come on. You ever seen a soldier one time? He's got a helmet. He's got a breastplate. He's got a belt. He's got a sword. He's got shin guards. And God says, you ought to put yourself together. Put on the full armor, armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Here's my next point. God has given us authority, but we have to use it. God has given you armor, but if you don't use it, you're defenseless against the enemy. No, I'm going to fight the enemy with my faith. I'm going to fight the enemy with my love for God, with the peace of God. There is a battle for your soul, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion. Look for someone to devour. He's trying to destroy somebody. But verse 9 says, resist him. Stand firm in the faith. Because you know that the family, anybody a family in here, that the family of believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Be alert. Because your enemy, he prowls like a roaring lion. Put on the full armor of God. Some things, it's just, it's just demonic things. I'm not even going to lie. There's, there's some issues in our life that we've caused. There's some stuff that, you know, just consequences, right? Not everything's the devil. I, I, the Bible says the devil's under my feet, right? 
But when it comes to fear, sometimes there's just spiritual warfare. Did you know that you waking up every morning is spiritual warfare? How you wake up is important. How you start your mornings. If you start in success, you will see success. If you start in the spirit, you'll see the spirit. If you start in affirmation, you'll see God's goodness. If we can all stand up to our feet today as we get ready to close out. Come on, has anybody received a word today? Come on, we're going to fight fear. Come on, anybody get ready to get in the ring with fear. Come on, I'm ready to fight fear with my faith. I'm asking if we can lower the music all the way, and, and we're going to worship in a second. But the Bible says if you want to be saved, you've got to confess and believe that Jesus is Lord. Jesus died for you, amen? But he rose up for you, and his victory is your victory. And he says if you believe in me, you don't have to be afraid because in me you have eternal life. So with every head by every eye closed, if you want Jesus, if you want salvation, you don't have to be afraid of death. I tell you, outside of Jesus... Death is pretty scary. Outside of God, death is, is pretty morbid. But, but in Jesus, there is no sting to death. There is no sorrow. There's no mourning. One of my buddies, he passed at the age of 22 last year or a, year, a couple years ago due to COVID last year. And we prayed for God to heal him. He eventually passed, but then something hit me. The, the Spirit convicted me. John, you prayed for healing. He's in heaven. He is healed completely. You prayed for, for me to, 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 to take him. I took him. Because in Christ, we are not supposed to fear death. We're not supposed to fear death. Because death isn't final. Death is a doorway. There is a place that he has prepared for me. Come on, anybody believe you got faith that God has prepared a place for me? So, man, I want you to walk in freedom today. Every head bow, every eye closed in this place. If you want Jesus, you may be afraid of a lot of things, but Jesus wants to take your fear away. You can find do not be afraid or fear not. You can find that 365 times in the Bible. In other words, for every day of your life, there's a don't be afraid and a fear not. Every day, don't be afraid. If you want Jesus today, you want Jesus. You want to be saved. You want to respond to the message with your life. On the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand as a sign of surrender. And as our new members get ready to get presented, you guys can come up. We're going to, come, we're going to celebrate you guys in a moment. But all over this room, every head by every eye closed. If you want Jesus, I want you to raise your hand as a sign of surrender. Unafraid, unashamed. And then when I say three, I want you to raise your hand. We're going to begin to worship. Come on, if you want salvation, here we go. One two, three. Raise your hand if you want to get saved in here. I see one hand. I see two hands. I see three hands. I see four hands. Church, we got four salvations in the room today. Come on, can we lift our hands and worship? Come on. Come on. I will build my life. I will build my life. Come on, all of us, lift your hands and worship in this moment. Come on, let's give it to God. Let's worship through the storm. Come on. Let's worship through the fear. Come on. Come on, let's pick it up. Pick it up. Come on. Let's go.
Yeah. Hey, pick their mics up. They worship me. Come on, help them out. Help them out. Help them out. Come on. Open up my eyes and wonder. Come on, give it up. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in love to those around me. Four people said yes to Jesus in this room earlier. Come on, make some noise. The Bible says to be saved, you got to say a prayer. To be saved, you got to pray. Let's pray this prayer. All four of us that raised your hand, we're going to pray. And if you said yes online, this is your moment. Say this prayer with faith. Church, we're going to pray together with them. Being saved is the first step in this relationship with God. It's not the last. It's the beginning and not the end. Come on, say Jesus. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Right my wrongs. Forgive my sins. I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you died for me and you rose up for me. I believe that I am saved by faith. I believe you are the son of the living God. I believe your spirit is now living within me and you have prepared a place for me. Come on, everybody says amen.